everyone, and welcome to the Dare to Design podcast with me, Karen Hilsinger, a graphic design student just trying to figure it out. Join me as I learn more about the industry and interview designers of all backgrounds, getting a look into what the life of a graphic designer is really like. All right, everyone. Hello. I hope you are well. I have a really great episode for you guys today. In today's episode, I chat with Michelle Winterstein. Michelle is a fourth-generation female entrepreneur who now has her own business as a brand designer. She's definitely an inspiration to me, and I was low-key fangirling while chatting with her. Her social media presence on Instagram, and more recently TikTok, has driven her business to new levels of success. In this episode, she shares how she got from point A to point B, and how she has built her own business within the realm of graphic and brand design. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. So for this podcast, I just wanted to basically talk about like how you got from point A to point B because I found you on Instagram. I said this when I emailed you and I was like, wow, like she is who I want to be in five years. Like I literally have a five-year plan. I'm moving to San Diego with my best friend and I want to like start my own design studio. And I'm like, she's she's who I hope to be. And I'm like, selfishly I'm like I need to talk to her but like oh I'm like I need to share like your steps because I know it would benefit so many people oh thanks it's so sweet of you and I definitely like know what that feeling is like because I think when I was just graduating college and looking to start my own thing I was in the same position of using social media and all the different tools to kind of figure out um okay who are those people that are 10 steps ahead of me and how do I kind of like learn from them and just become a sponge for everything so um, yeah, I'm 27 years old. I started my business um, at age 20, 21, like the summer between okay. my junior and senior year of college. I have a very entrepreneurial family. So my mother's an entrepreneur, my sister, my grandmother, my aunt, my great grandmother had her own business. Awesome. So it's kind of not a surprise that I started my own thing. I just didn't even know what my thing was going to be, so to speak. Okay. Uh, in high school and even growing up I was always super creative like I loved making things with beads and stitching stuff and drawing and painting and I always kind of had some kind of artistic craft going on Uh, but I also was the kind of person that needed the prompt to get started so I wasn't necessarily the kid that was like always sketching in their sketchbook I kind of needed the little fire under my butt and then I also was very motivated by selling things. So selling bracelets or selling bags to my friends or doing little crafts that had kind of that business entrepreneurial side. So um, my mom's an interior designer and I kind of interned with her for a while, really liked it. And then um, went to college, got a double major in fine arts and art history and took one design fundamentals class that had one project with Adobe Illustrator. And I thought it was the most ridiculous, hard to use platform I'd ever seen. But I liked that I could do things quickly, more quickly on the computer than I could actually hand drawing them. So kind of got hooked that way, took an on-campus job uh, at the Creative Zone, which is like our on-campus graphic design marketing center and learned Mm -hmm. a lot that way as well. And in the meantime, I was just like posting everything that I was making on social as kind of my business, quote unquote, right? That's just kind, kind of where I'm at. I'm like, yeah, h- hire me. Yeah. Like still in school. <laughs> Here's some stuff that I make. Here, I made these cool stickers. I made this cool poster. I made this cool bag. I made this cool mm-hmm. whatever. And sharing those helped me kind of connect with people that needed graphic design, which is great. Also helped that my mom helped to like pimp me out to her entrepreneur friends. Uh, th- but those really were my first clients were yeah. people saying, hey, you, you're a young person with a computer. Can you do this? Um, and then, I mean, that's six years ago now. So things have kind of taken off since then, but that's yeah. more or less the backstory. Um, now I exclusively do brand design. That is the only service that I offer. I help small business owners to define, design, build, and grow their brands by helping create the visuals for their visions. So if someone's either has a business or they're trying to grow a business and they say, hey, I really want this to look fantastic and I need it to connect with my ideal client and I'm going to be using social media marketing, that is like, that's a slam dunk for me because that's exactly the kind of client I like to work for so that's kind of the the long story short long long story short and long yeah (laughs) I mean that it all makes total sense like that's the first thing they tell you when you take like a graphic design class is like you are the visual communicator your Mm -hmm. job is to solve the problem so I used to get so 
in my head, I'm like, I can't draw. Like I was never the kid that had a sketchbook. I'm like, I would doodle, but um, I wasn't like the kid that had this talent and they could just draw like their dog and it would look real. Mm -hmm. I was like, I never had that. And I still don't. So when I took a class senior year, it was Photoshop or just like graphic design elements or something. I was like, oh, wait, I can just like trace that and Mm -hmm. I can like make it work. And he was like, yeah, like that's a career. I was like, oh, okay. Cause like I was going into marketing, but I'm like, I didn't really want to be like in like the corporate world yet. And that's, I had the same issue because I, as a freshman went to the major's fair and I walked through the major's fair. I went up to the business because we had school of business administration and we had school of arts and sciences. And there was not really any crossover of the classes, which is really too bad because I think that graphic design here is this, and and marketing and branding is really this perfect storm of business and creative. But I went to the business department and I asked, I really want us to be like marketing and advertising and communications uh, with, but on the visual side. And they said, well, you can go to the art department because we're only talking about the business side of things. So I ended up majoring in, like I said, fine arts and art history. And within fine arts and art history, I could kind of do a deeper dive into that stuff. But yeah. I definitely didn't major in graphic design. I didn't learn the technical graphic design stuff. All of that is self-taught as far as the creative cloud mm-hmm. programs go. Um, but having an understanding of fine arts and, and art history and art fundamentals absolutely mm-hmm. comes into like play. Like the theories, past art just, trends. Mm-hmm. Artists and artist inspiration, artist movements symbols, iconography, that is all really, really important in what I do. And even in a a call that I had yesterday, I pulled in the back filing cabinets of my brain, like an art history reference that I said, oh, you know what this is? This is hyper-realism and you should look into Chuck Close. And so I could kind of pull that, like, how do you know that? I was like, well, that is what I studied. So (laughs) it does come come in handy every once in a while, but definitely not as much in the day-to-day. Yeah, at the end of this episode, I will ask you like some of your favorite resources. So if you have any yeah. books that you recommend, we can talk about For that. Sure. So I bet I guess we covered, you know, how you got from point A to point B, your school and everything. And you started your studio when you were like, was it like the studio you have now in like your like MKW Creative? Was that like when you were 21 or was that post-grad? I started with MKW Graphics. And I rebranded last year, 2019, um, in the very beginning of 2019, I rebranded because I felt that saying MKW graphics, that graphic design was actually limiting what it is that I do. So now when I'm in an elevator pitch at a networking group, for example, I was on a Zoom call this morning with a networking group. I introduced myself as MKW Creative Co. Brand Designer Content Creator, because that's really where I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm headed. Um, I love social media and I love working with brands. I love creating creative content. So that kind of feels like a natural fit. Um, So MKW Creative Co. gives me just a bigger umbrella to offer all those services. Yeah. I think a lot of people think, well, you just do art. And it's like, well, no, really, I'm doing business things as well. Like I have a minor in digital marketing and then I have a minor in advertising because I was like, I want to know what, like where my work's going to go. So I think. Then when I got on social media and I found all these like brand designers, I was like, whoa, what, what is this? Like, this is something mm-hmm. I can see myself doing because I loved logos, but I also enjoyed print. So then it's mm-hmm. like, well, if it's like a cafe, I can still do like print collateral and menus and like napkins or whatever it may be while still also doing social media because I also thought that was a huge, not enter- I guess like an enterprise when yeah. I was in high school, it wasn't like a huge deal yet. But now it just like totally blew up, especially with TikTok. Absolutely. Well, and now they're so interrelated, way more than ever before, mm-hmm. way more than when I was going to school or even when I first graduated. Like it's non-negotiable that if you're a small business, you have to have social media. And not only do you have to have social media, you have to do it well. Because if you're not, you're missing out on connecting with your ideal client because people aren't going to brick and mortar anymore. Obviously, there's a freaking pandemic going on. But on top of that, like you have to have an online experience that's consistent with what your brand experience is in person. Mm-hmm. And how do you recreate those those touch points? Or I love I love calling them like Easter eggs. Very Taylor Swift uh, album <laughs> of her of that, or like the hidden Mickey's right at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Like you're creating these teeny tiny brand moments for the people that are paying attention to really feel like, oh my gosh, I got let in on this secret, or I know this brand so well, I identify with them, and they represent me, I represent them, and it kind of becomes this relationship. 
Mm-hmm. That's the kind of branding that I can really dork dork out on more so than just like go buy a gallon of milk and then the, that transaction is over. Like mm-hmm. I want to know and to help design and cultivate the brands that carry on that long-term brand ambassadorship. Exactly. Like consumer marketing and everything of that sort. So yeah. So with that, what does your day-to-day look like? I can imagine you're just so busy. I'm like, is this a one-woman show? Like, are you doing this all on your own? Yeah. Well, for the most part, I was. Like for the most part, up until even just this year, a few months ago, um, I was truly a one-woman show and was doing everything on my own. Um, I now have a virtual assistant and some junior designers that help me out with like file export and organization. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, the creative work and the bulk of the client interfacing is all me. Um, I spent about two and a half, almost three years traveling abroad. So I really knew I wanted to do that. I did a study abroad in college and was hooked and here found myself with like, oh, I have a job that I can do from anywhere. Why would I be stuck in one place? So I did I've traveled to over 52 countries, wow. um, which is a lot, but I wanted to keep my costs really, really low, right? And it was a great opportunity for me as an independent freelancer to kind of take on the remote work lifestyle. Um, obviously, day-to-day looked much different when I was traveling than it does now. I have really only slowed down in January pre-pandemic, which was a weird coincidence, <laughs> but I'm so glad I did all the traveling that I did when I did, because it's absolutely one of the most valuable experiences just as a business owner, but also as like a human being to be able to go and and live somewhere else, like really immerse yourself in another city, culture, cuisine, type of people, everything. So now my day to day, let's think. It kind of depends. It depends. I just got a puppy. So he dictates a lot of my day. Um, We got him back in April and we're getting into a better routine now, but it's usually wake up with him around 6am, have some coffee, um start working start checking in on social uh take him for a walk then really kind of do the bulk of my work from about like 9 a.m until 1 or 2 in the afternoon take him on another walk or activity and then come back and I found myself recently working like later into the evening so like from 9 p.m until about like 11 or midnight is when I can really get my creative stuff going because I don't Mm -hmm. have any interruptions so it it tends to change it's definitely not a nine to five but it's also a thing of the more that I work is the more clients that I can take on, the more clients I can take on is the more money I could make. It's all within my control and I can create it so that I can build out a pipeline. So I have projects until August 1st and I have social media posts scheduled out through the end of the month. Like those are the kind of things that help me stay organized and stay on top of it so that mm-hmm. I'm not just sitting around with nothing to do. There's never nothing to do is, is the reality when you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. Wow, that just seems like so daunting to me now because that is what I want to do. And just with starting like my small account, I was like, oh, I didn't post yesterday. I probably should have done that. And of course, my post today didn't do as well because I I messed up the algorithm of posting at the same time. And I was like, how do these people do this? And then you're also doing your own overall yeah. social media presence. Well, then you're also starting with your clients. So when you first started out, what were your services like? Was it just like logos or were you like, I'm just going to make these plans and pretend that I know what I'm doing. I'll get to that bridge when that comes and I'll just get it done. Yeah, it's it's a lot of trial and error. It's really difficult when you're starting out because it's hard to know, number one, what your niche is and number two, what your proficiencies are. Um, Mm -hmm. It's also hard to market a service if you don't have any experience in that service. So my whole philosophy with my business has been price myself low, get a client list, and then just start like inching it up, right? Mm-hmm. So I started doing graphic design for $15 an hour for anyone that would pay me, like postcards, business cards, t-shirt designs, whatever. Like just because I I didn't have a portfolio, I didn't have a client list, I didn't yeah. at the time even have a website. So anyone that wanted to pay me money for graphic design, I was like tickled. I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. This is way more money than making babysitting. And it was a slam dunk. Um, When I started looking at it more as a business, I tried to figure out like, okay, what is the going rate for designers with my level of experience and with my skill set? and did a lot of research that way um, and kind of made it a goal and a benchmark of myself. Okay, if I book X number of clients at this rate, then the next five clients I'm going to book at this rate or okay, in six months from now, I want to be charging 25, 35, 45, $85 an hour, like whatever those 
but they're all arbitrary. (laughs) That's the thing. That's why it's hard to give people advice because it's like, it's so dependent on the season that you are in with your business and what you're good at and who your favorite clients are. And now I don't charge hourly practically at all because I charge everything project-based. So Mm -hmm. getting really specific on what my offering was and then having two different price points for that brand design offering made it a non-negotiable so that I don't even have to like blink to know what I charge, but then I do change it about every like six months. So, yeah. I mean, as you should not constructive advice, particularly, but but it makes sense. Yeah. And I think if you're coming out the gate with something new, figure, do your research, figure out what the other kinds of packages and pricing options are. Um, and then look at your competitors and, and go underneath, like charge less, charge less Mm -hmm. and, and go to that client and say, totally transparently, Hey, this is my first time I'm doing this. Or, Hey, this is the first, uh, you're one of my first clients that I'm offering the service to. I'm going to offer it at this rate because I know we're both going to have to learn in this process and then make sure that you have a really buttoned up contract that says that you can change your rates when you feel that that's necessary or when the contract is over or whatever that looks like. Um, because as you get more experience then you can obviously charge more for what you do. Yeah. So you mentioned like contracts and clients. How did you like, how did you get your clients? Was it that you would reach out to people then like, Hey, I noticed that you're looking for a logo or I think I can help you. Like, did you do that? Or did you wait for them to reach out to you? I'm more of the camp of, I, mm, I wouldn't say I waited for them to reach out to me, mm-hmm. but I went and put myself in front of my ideal client all the time. Okay. Um, so I joined a bunch of networking groups when we could do that. Um, and met people in person and learned about their business. And then when they said that they were struggling with something, I said, you know what, let me take a stab at that. Let me see if I can help you out. Let's set up your Facebook page or, you know, it'd be really great as if you had a a Twitter or whatever. And then, um, kind of offering my graphic design services as a way of helping them based on what they actually need. It's Mm -hmm. kind of a weird phenomenon to go to a business and say, your logo sucks. Like that doesn't really go over well. Like, Hey, I noticed your branding and social sucks. Let's let's let me do it. They're not going to have any reason to want to do it. So listening to what their exact problems are and then positioning yourself as a solution is a great workaround. Um, but in order to do that, you need to be able to listen. So, um, Posting your work, of course, is important, but really it's about understanding what those business goals are and then figuring out how what you can offer can help somebody because everyone's in the business of helping each other. So, um, yeah, that's, I think, some of my first clients were that way. My best clients now are the ones that come from referrals. So I have a referral program where if a client refers me to another client, they get a kickback. Um, and then that's always keeps the pipeline nice and full because then they're incentivized to talk about me and share about, share my work and stuff. Um, and then also I get to work with them more. So it's just a win-win. Um, they get a kickback of a design credit, which is working out really nicely. Yeah. That, I mean, if it works, it works. And I could definitely tell it does because you always have clients and I was like looking at your TikTok and it was like number like 45. And I was like, I cannot imagine. I just know that's like 45 out of, of over the last six years, right? So these are 45. Okay. So for anyone that doesn't know, my TikTok account, the bulk of my videos are brand design in 60 seconds. And I will run through an entire branding project from the initial like mood board color palette, brand inspiration, all the way through to the mock-ups of the collateral and like where, what that brand is doing now. And I started posting these on TikTok and they got pretty good traffic. And I was like, okay, I could keep going. But I've been doing this for six years. So yes, I'm on brand number 45 on my TikTok, but there's probably over a hundred of them that will never see the light of day on my TikTok <laughs> just because they're not my aesthetic. They're not my ideal kind of avatar. I don't like the way the project turned out for whatever reason, the client and I didn't get along or they went in another direction. So there, there is a lot of stuff that kind of is on the cutting room floor. And I think that's kind of where I want to go with my social media is being a little more transparent about Okay, yes, you guys see the pretty nice stuff, the finished stuff, but there's a lot of stuff that doesn't ever see the light of day. So I want to talk to you about the creative services that you have on your website. And you had like four different like packages. So when did Mm -hmm. you develop those after you were charging hourly? Yeah, great question. So um, for the longest time, really up until... January, February of this year, I didn't have my services spelled out on my website and I didn't have my prices listed on my website. 
Um, I was really of the camp that like, if somebody wants to work with me bad enough, they'll fill out my contact form and we can have a discovery call and then I'll quote them to the project. What I'm realizing is that was a bottleneck in my process. So people would come to my website, they wouldn't be able to see my pricing, they'd go down the whole road of getting in contact with me and then they'd say, oh, I really want you to do my branding, but I have $50. And so now it's not only a waste of their time, it's a waste of my time mm -hmm. that we're even on a phone call because that's not what I charge and that's not what, they're not my ideal client. So then it just kind of becomes a time waster. So mm -hmm. as much as I, I put it off in the beginning, as much as I hated the idea of putting my pricing on my website, it gave me a really, really clear benchmark of like, hey, this is what these are and this is what they cost. So this time last year, I was doing what I call like a signature brand design. My brand design services were in the three to $7,000 range. It was based on the client. It was everything. It was the entire research process, a four draft logo process, presentations, mockups, collateral, social, like it was everything. And it was a lot of work and it was taking eight, nine, 10, 11, almost a year, months, like just so much time to finish their projects because it was so overwhelming and there were so many design decisions yeah. that I got really burnt out of doing it that way. So I got approached to do a project called Bad Bitch Book Club by a girl I'm in a Facebook group with. And she's like, hey, I love your aesthetic. Like, I want to work with you so bad. I don't have the money for it. This is like a side hustle thing. I've got 500 bucks. Like, can we go? And I was like, oh, man, it's like, that's not at all what I charge, but I really want to do this. You're totally my ideal client. You have an active audience, which is great for exposure for me. So I took it on and I said, okay, we'll call this like a mini brand design. Like, I'll give you one go. I'll give you the presentation of what I think you should do. Like the and one then, logo. Mm -hmm, one concept method. So that totally transformed my process because then I got to work with more of my ideal client and less of the people that were, I was just like chasing high dollar clients. Mm -hmm. And of course, like there are high dollar clients that are my ideal client demo, but yeah. I was only chasing them before because they had big budgets, not particularly because they were good at business. So it kind of became really creatively stifling I kind of just felt like like a millennial with a laptop like they didn't value my opinion as much they didn't see me as a collaborator because they knew that they just had me hey can you fix this hey can you upload this hey can you da, da. and I was just getting I didn't feel that my time or my creativity was being valued as much as when I said like okay this is all that you're gonna get give me the best shot at it and we'll see if this works right so then beginning of this year I started offering the two services the mini brand design and then the full service brand design. I knocked the prices down on both, like by half, and was like, you know what? I'm gonna see what works, what sticks, what's most popular. Now the mini brand design is my most popular service. So the price mm -hmm. has gone up, supply and demand. Yep. And I've gotten my systems down. Like I've really gotten my systems down now for both of them, it's one concept method. It's it's let me sit down and really, really understand what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And let me pitch you, business owner, of what I think you should do with your brand based on the information yeah. you gave me. And that's just saved me so much time. And it's also made my clients so much happier because they get a faster turnaround. And then there's less back and forth. I think when I was showing so many concepts in the beginning, people have a tendency to say like, oh, can we do a little bit of this one? And I really like this mm -hmm. one over here. And they try to mix up a bunch of styles. Be... Oh, like, and they're trying to, to mishmash a bunch of styles together, which my whole job as the designer was like, these are different styles because they visually are different and they don't belong together. Yeah, if they belonged together, I would have shown them to you together. And then the work I ended up hating because it wasn't, none of it was ever my idea to put those mm -hmm. different elements together. So switching the whole process, it's a lot more work on the front end to do the one concept method, but there's so much less revision time um, yeah. that it's really, really helped my workflow, which has been great. Yeah. So would you recommend like right now I'm going to, I'm going to be a senior in college. So would mm -hmm. you recommend like on my website, I would list like, these are my like packages but I would do it like yeah. so cheap like, like I wouldn't even no. say go so cheap I would say do your research of course pull together what projects are your favorite projects mm -hmm. do write-ups on each of them like case studies say be very results centric say I took this Instagram account from looking like this to looking like that and we gained their following to this number and this much more engagement, whatever, whether it's social media marketing, if it's print, then let's talk about the success of your print mailers. If it's web, like you can show web numbers. Like people really are, are results centric. Mm -hmm. 
um, because they want to feel like their investment is worth the money, of course. But um, I wouldn't even say price so, so cheap. Uh, price what you think is fair for your time, knowing that you've got room to grow up. Mm-hmm. Um is what I would what I would say and, and put together packages and get feedback and constantly be tweaking them, constantly be adjusting them. And I do this all the time too, is like, okay, do people really need four icons or do they only need two or three? Or do they need six patterns or do they need two? You know? Yeah. And kind of just keep fidgeting with it until you get to a point where you're like, okay, I know that this works. And it's not going to work for every client hundred percent of the time, but you want to shoot for that like 80, 85% of the time that it's a slam yeah. dunk. And I guess as being your own boss, you can do that. And that's whenever like, I think right now I'm in that mindset of like, is that allowed? And I'm like, yeah, it's allowed. Yes. Like, I'm, if I'm the one doing it and I have that written, like the small print, the fine print, you know, in contracts, it's like, oh, I guess it is. That's like, that's how it works. And that's what I'm trying to learn through this podcast is like, how, how do you like adult as a designer? I guess it's like, I don't, they don't teach me that in school. Even I had no one social media marketing class I had one it just didn't seem updated and I was like I should just go to the people that are doing it now then trying to take Absolutely. because while the classes had some like great books or some things that were beneficial I was like I just need to talk to like the direct source right now so yeah Absolutely. No, you're on the right track completely. And I did the same thing starting out. Like I was just so curious about what other people were doing, how they were doing it, how they were pulling it together. And I still do that now. I still am part of a networking group with, with entrepreneurs who are 10, 15, 20 years older than I am. And I'm asking them questions like, how do you scale and grow your team? How do you create multiple income sources? How do you get to the point where you're not at like working all the time? Because I work a lot and I don't want to work a lot (laughs) I'd like to work a lot less and make a lot more money that's really the goal so there's still you're constantly have to learn and it's it's hard because you I think we get kind of pigeonholed into thinking that you have to learn in in only one type of setting um in the classroom and that's really not the case like there's so many great resources online and and uh yeah different ways to learn and, and continue to grow yeah so I also wanted to talk to you about your full brand design package. You kind of talked about that, but I was looking on your website and it was like 10 points plus long. And I was like, wow, that is just a lot. And how, I guess, how did you figure out, like, this is what every single person, this is like the ideal of like what you would want someone to choose or. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's actually, interestingly enough, not the package I want people to choose. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different sales philosophies about and and sales theory. One of them that I love is that, and I'll ask you, maybe you know it or maybe you don't, which wine on a wine list has the highest margin for the restaurant owner, rank-wise? Like if probably, there's five wines in the list, which one do you think has the highest margin? Probably the cheapest or like the middle. Second cheapest. Okay. Because nobody wants to be the cheapest, but nobody wants to pay like, for a glass of wine, right? Yeah. So they always make the highest markup on the second glass of wine. They set their own prices, right? Mm -hmm. So thinking with that same mentality is like, I have the signature brand design as part of my services, but really I would say only about 20% of my clients choose that. Yeah. 80% of them are choosing the mini brand design because it gives them all the tools that they need. Yeah. And the, the way that I've positioned the mini brand design is like, this is for someone that just needs the tools, needs the ingredients in their kitchen and they're going to cook. They don't need me to cook for them because I've already given them all the ingredients versus the signature brand design is really like, I'm giving you all the ingredients and I'm cooking for you and I'm plating it and I'm serving it up and, 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 right? So it's, that's kind of the difference. And actually it's a much better sales pitch on a discovery call to say, to say to someone, if they're stuck between the two, Hey, I think the signature brand design is going to be overkill for you. Like people mm-hmm. love an excuse to not pay like the top package pricing. Yeah. Like think about it when you get like an oil change or you go to stay at a hotel or anything like this, right? Like we have kind of this cultural hang up of like not wanting to spend the absolute most. And then also it positions me as, as the designer, as the business owner to say like, Hey, I have your best interest at heart. This truly is going to be more than what you need. Yeah. But should you want me to do all of it? I'd be happy to do it. And then the clients that do decide to go with that bigger package are already way happier right off the bat because they're like, okay, you didn't pressure me into getting something I, I didn't choose. 
And so the signature brand design process is, of course, like logos, color palettes, fonts, etc. But then it's the application of all those things. So it's showing them, here's what the business cards would look like, the letterhead, the social graphics, blah, 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 email signature, etc. Um, some business owners are like, you know what, I can tackle that on my own. And then some of them are like, you know what, I couldn't do design on my own to save my life. I'd rather have you do it. And then that's fine too. So yeah. um, it, it's nice because it kind of gives me the two options to play with, but at least in both services, like the baseline is getting covered, like those mm-hmm. basic tools, those basic ingredients that you can build any dish with these ingredients, but the ingredients are the same. That makes sense. Yeah. So with some of your clients, do you ever do like continuing social media posts or do you give them like templates to use? Like how would that work if they're like, I don't know what to do. Like, can I hire you to do like three months of posts? Like, does that ever happen? Uh, It used to. I used to do social media management for at my peak. I was doing it for 12 different businesses all at once. And I just hated it. I'm not a copywriter. I can do copy for myself fine, but I'm not a good copywriter for other people's brands. I think to be a really, really good social media manager, you have to have a a really clear understanding of that client's voice and be able to stay on top of things and stay on top of current events and stay on top of what's relevant to their audience and their, their, their clientele experience. And that's just more than I could, could bite off to be honest. So I stopped doing social media management. Um, now I will build out templates for clients. I include that in my signature brand design of saying, here's a before and after template. Here's a testimonial template. Here's a statistics template. Um, ready, go, right? And I just do it in all their colors and their fonts and load it up in their Canva account for them. But I don't okay. run anyone's social accounts anymore. Okay. Um, for me, it's just, I'd rather them go work with somebody who that is their job. Mm-hmm. Ideally, I'd love to grow my team to have somebody on my team that does that. Yeah. Um, but my job really stops at the turnover of those those brand files saying, okay, you're ready, like like a bird out the nest, like go fly, like you yeah. don't need me anymore. I've given you all the tools. Um, so that's kind of where I want to position myself. And then it makes it so that when they do want to work with me, they're coming back to me because they want to, not because they're stuck. Yeah. I always wondered that. I talked about this, I think, two episodes ago on the podcast. And I was like, what do you do Like when you're done? Do you just say, here's the, here are your Dropbox folder and go fly? It's like, is that just basically yeah. what designers I mean, do? I have like an offboarding process. Um, so in my offboarding process, we do like a review call of what all their assets are okay. and how to use them and where to find them. I will also put in all of their assets into their Canva account. So I'll load up their fonts, their logos, their colors, patterns, icons, et cetera. That's really helpful for a lot of my clients. And then I will send them whatever uh, additional resources I think that they might need. Sometimes that's for social media schedulers or for other professionals or, mm-hmm. hey, here's who, who I use to print stickers. Like I will just load like them up with a few It's basically... Exactly. A reference sheet. Um, And then, yeah, we kind of either stay in touch based on if they have projects for me or not. But my favorite thing is to like see my clients get their branding and then go put it immediately into use and like tag me and everything. That's Mm -hmm. like ultimate. Um, So that's what I'm, I'm prepping them to do basically. Yeah. See, this is so informational and I can't wait for people to hear this because it's like, you know, they don't teach you this and they're like, okay, yeah, go you know how to use these programs. I'm like, yeah, I do. But these people, like you're, we're the professionals. And then we have mm-hmm. to relay that information. So yeah, and I, I think guess it's that... changing so quickly as well. It's like, I think now, even if you do hire a graphic designer, you do hire a brand designer, you still want to feel like you have control over what you paid for. Yeah. So for me, helping my clients set up in Canva is so useful because it's just the right amount of I think freedom and flexibility mm-hmm. in the brand, the brand style that it's pretty hard to mess up. So yeah. if I give them the color codes, the the fonts, the icons, patterns, et cetera, the logos, then like they can run that on their own. And most of my clients actually, I make it specifically that my ideal client is someone that has that proficiency because I'm mm-hmm. not really interested in doing a whole bunch of branding for someone that's never going to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't help my business. It doesn't really help them. If it's just going to kind of sit dormant in a Dropbox somewhere, it's not really to anybody's advantage. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how the brand like lives, breathes, evolves. 
So giving them the tools, I think is really helpful. And I think sometimes people like they get really overwhelmed by something like Canva without those kind of like bumpers on the bowling lane, right? Yeah. Like, okay, don't look at all of those templates. Don't look at those fonts. Like I want you to stay right here. Like stay focused, stay, yeah. stay in your lane, you know, it's helpful. Yeah. And I mean, it still gives them that freedom too, that like they get to work with it and it's theirs, but they got what they paid for by being able to mm-hmm. have all these elements that are for them. But mm-hmm. it's like you kind of just give them a little push. Exactly. Exactly. So I guess this segues great into that. I saw you also offer consulting. Is this something mm-hmm. that you've always wanted to do? When did you start offering this? Yeah. Yeah, I started offering consulting because I had a lot of people messaging me or emailing me saying, can I take you to coffee and pick your brain, to be honest. <laughs> and I, um, I, I'm the kind of person that would always say yes. And then it would be an hour and a half where I've been talking to somebody about their business idea and then that we wouldn't be working together. And that, that was an hour and a half of my work day that I would never get back. So yeah. that's kind of how that came about. Um, Everything with marketing and branding for me, like I said, is self-taught. So I do have, now that I've been doing it for like six years, I have a bit of experience and people do want to know what my ideas are, want to know what I have to say. Um, it's I don't book a lot of consulting hourly, but having it there is a great way to either encourage people to, to book them or to scare people off. It's like, to be honest, like if somebody, and, and, and there's a lot of people that have come over to my Instagram and TikTok and stuff like that. And they're like, Hey, I'm starting a business or I'm taking over my parents' company or whatever. What do you think of this? And I say, Hey, yeah, I I do branding and marketing consulting. Like here's my calendar link, uh, 150 an hour. And then they go, Oh, okay. never mind." (laughs) And it's just really to protect my time because if somebody's serious about it, then they'll book it. And if they're not serious about it, then they're not. So to me, I, I don't want to position myself as a coach or a consultant necessarily, but it is nice to be able to weigh in um, for people that, that want to hear my opinion. I had one yesterday and it was great. We talked about her marketing strategy. She's a life and business coach and she really needed like an overarching theme or some kind of like, um, she needed like a, a an analogy basically for mm-hmm. what she helps her clients do. And she was having a hard time coming up with the visuals that could represent what it is that she does for people. So we came up with this whole concept of it kind of being Wizard of Oz as using it as like the Wizard of Oz archetypes, right? Like courage for the heart, brains, and then, um, yeah, courage, heart, and brains as being like the three things as her three elements that she's helping her clients with that also can be in this visual style of like Wizard of Oz more or less. So that was just like an idea that I would never have come up with, just like pulled it out of my butt. But when yeah. we started talking about her business, I was like, Kelly, that's exactly what this is. Like, this is the yellow brick road. Like you're helping them. Like, and now she mm-hmm. has this whole kind of system, ecosystem where she can play with like verbiage, imagery, allegory, analogies, yeah. all those kinds of things. So although it's not graphic design related, it's absolutely marketing related. And that it's going to help her communicate her point better because it can be kind of abstract. And I think a lot of service professionals get stuck in that way. It's hard to keep talking about your service over and over and over and over again, especially when there's no deliverables. Like there are no concrete, at least with designers, we can say like, hey, you got the design, the end. But when you're doing any kind of like coaching, consulting stuff, it's hard to measure what the change that's taking place is happening. So giving her that idea, I think she's going to run with it, which is cool. Yeah. So next, I want to move into, I saw you have this, I guess, a series called Kiss My, and then it's like loops or aesthetic. And just like, tell me about it, what it is, like where this started. Yeah. So uh, about a year ago, I started a Facebook group called Kiss My Aesthetic which was for branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship. And it was really because I was in so many great Facebook groups and I learned so much. And then some of them got so big that they turned into just spam factories and I couldn't stand it. And so it's like, you know what? I need to have my own group. It's, I feel like I've learned enough now. I know enough people for them to be able to join. There's about 2000 members in there now. So Kiss My Aesthetic was really the first, Mm -hmm. the first go. And then I um, also wanted Kiss My Aesthetic because my business name is my initials, MKW Creative Co. And MK, people have a hard time saying MK and W all together. So I kind of needed like a riff off of that that was associated with my brand, but wasn't like 
MKW Creative Co. Groupie, like something boring. Yeah. So I, the Kiss My Aesthetic name stuck because it's kind of like Kiss My Ass and it's yeah. related. And I had like the right amount of like sassy. I was like, this is perfect. So Kiss My Aesthetic. And then I've had people ask me like, can you do a training on TikTok? Can you do a training on Instagram, on Canva, on content marketing, blah, 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 blah. And so I started offering these like virtual trainings right at the top of coronavirus when that first happened. I said, you know what? Like this is information that I know. I'm happy to share. So I was hosting virtual trainings that were all called Kiss My dot dot dot. So that's what the, where those came about. Um, so that's like Kiss My Content, Kiss My Loops. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I wish I knew about that at the beginning of Corona. But there will be more soon. I'm gonna. I'm working on more. I did like a Kiss My Portfolio Challenge, oh, which was awesome. really great. I ran that through the Facebook group. So I've got lots of ideas, but it's going to be kind of based on what what I think people need. And the whole point of building that out was to really have them be the resources that I could hand off to my clients once we finish their brand design projects. It's like, okay, you finished. Now you need to set up your Instagram. Like, go watch this Kiss My Instagram like video training. Oh, that's awesome. And I'll tell you how to optimize your bio and how to mm-hmm. upload your highlights and all this stuff and, and how, which hashtags you should use and things like that. And in that way, I'm saving myself time because I can just have that on evergreen. Like people can buy it when, and watch yeah. it whenever they want. And it's not necessarily taking up my my day-to-day time. Yeah, to keep on like repeating it when you're like, I could just mm-hmm. have this resource and it's mm-hmm. for multiple different or like, mm-hmm. like pipelines of people that would need it. Yeah. And some people aren't even my clients and they take them anyway. Like some people are just really curious about TikTok or really curious about whatever. Like they just want to take that one training. And that's fine. Like, I'd rather have that available to them and then be learning from me than having to try to figure it out on their own. Yeah, I'm definitely going to look into that. (laughs) So then you also have a shop on your website. And I'm like, wow, she does everything. Like, I do a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. So just tell me about your shop, what you sell. I guess I saw like some prints, stickers, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I've had a shop for a long time because there was a while in like 2017, 2018 that I was doing a lot of posters, like custom artwork. Mm-hmm. And I do like doing artwork, but I didn't want artwork to be my title business. I, I just yeah. wasn't, doesn't get me excited enough, especially custom stuff. Cause it's just like, it's just not what makes me happy. So I, I made a bunch of prints and I started selling them on my website. They do not sell practically at all. I don't really run any marketing or advertising towards them. Mm-hmm. But they're on there. They're just taking up some like yeah. internet real estate. So that's what the art prints are. Um, I do have a shop set up through Redbubble and through Printful. So okay. with Redbubble, I've been doing this new thing where I upload my clients' logos when I've finished with them. And then I send them gifts with like their logos printed on it at the end of the process. So I'll send them like notebooks or mugs or hats or whatever bags, anything that like has their logoed merchandise mm-hmm. because for me yes it is an expense but when I can send them that as like a thank you gift for working with me and then they take it to their brand photo shoot and then it goes on social yeah. and it just like keeps feeding that pipeline so that's the red bubble with printful which is a print on demand service that integrates through my website so you can check out on like the hats or I made like a little scarf thing for like yeah. a face mask scarf um stickers mugs that kind of stuff those are just for fun honestly yeah. like they're just kind of just sitting there as a fun thing um it took me all of 20 minutes to set it up and it just kind of doing it as things that things that I would want to buy or things that I would see at Target or whatever that yeah. I could might as well just have it in my own branding it's kind mm-hmm. of the shop that's so. what I figured I'm like it's just probably something fun that she wanted to do yeah. that was outside of like the branding it's like yeah we all love avocados like Exactly. Well, and because avocado toast, all of the ones, everything that I have in my shop has some kind of like inside jokey personal touch to it. So mm-hmm. the avocado toast thing, I'm from Southern California. I'm diehard for avocado toast. Everywhere that I traveled, I always try to get like the fanciest, most outrageous avocado toast. <laughs> and it's like I eat it every day for breakfast. So of course, like the avocado toast. And then even on, on Instagram, like I use the avocado crown filter. Like it's just kind of become a trademark thing. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and then the Kiss My Aesthetic, and then the other one that I have on there is, like, it's for my brand, because it's mm-hmm. kind of become an inside joke with my friends, like, if we're on a girl's trip or something, and I say, hey, can you just, like, get a photo of me over here? It's like, it's for my brand, like, just being obnoxious <laughs> is, like, a way to kind of make a joke of the fact that I know I'm ridiculous sometimes, yeah. so that's what the, it's for my brand, that's what that whole thing is, so I've got, like, gifts and all kinds of merch, and I have lots of ideas for all that stuff, but 
I don't feel like that's really the business. I don't want to be in the business of, of drop shipping and, and graphic design t-shirts and stuff. Yeah. So it's truly just like a fun side thing for now. Yeah, that, that, that honest, that's so fun. Like that, they all also have personal like meanings yeah. and just like inside yeah. jokes. Um, so I wanted to move into talking about your design process and how you, I guess, worked out the kinks of what works for you, I guess, either like client by client or working with multiple clients at once. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So my workflow process, um, I am an organization freak, Mm -hmm. so I pay a lot of money and like organizational software. So I use a project management system called Basecamp. And Basecamp is great because it keeps everything out of email. And it also allows me to set to-do lists, due dates, schedules, calendars, store files, links, inspiration photos, everything. Um, I make it that way so that my clients can only interact with me through Basecamp. I don't take text messages or DMs or emails really. Um, If they want to talk about the project, they got to go and play by my rules. So you got to go into Basecamp and do your to-dos. And that keeps things much more professional. It also keeps it much more organized. Mm -hmm. Um, And in my Basecamp, I have a different project folder for every single active client. That's great as well, because then I can kind of see at a, at a quick glance um, which projects are active, when their start dates are, when their finish dates are, everything to kind of keep me on schedule. Um, in a perfect like workflow way, I would have about between like five to 10 active branding clients at once. Okay. So I have that many because it, it allows me to stay on top of like my creativity pretty much. Mm-hmm. I'm very type A and super OCD, like organized, like I said. Um, and I like working fast. I think I do better work when I work fast. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I get too much time, I tend to procrastinate and don't get it done and like find everything else to do. That's me. Doing what I, what I need to get paid for. So keeping things on a quick clip helps. Um, and it also keeps the adrenaline and the energy of the project really high. Um, I think if things go on too long, people tend to lose interest or they tend to second guess, or if you take too long to get back, it kind of, um, it's not only unprofessional, but it, it starts to create doubt in your process. Um, so being really organized and being on schedule is really, really important in my process. Um, the way that I work with clients, they know exactly when they get into that base camp folder, when their calls are going to be, what the call links are, what we're going to be discussing, what decisions need to be made, yada, yada. So that's all really, really spelled out. It's also spelled out in my contract. Um, that saves me a lot of time and back and forth. Uh, it also protects my time as a creative to make sure that I'm my time is being valued as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the the process of getting a new client is is quite simple. It's it's having a discovery call with them, having them fill out my contact form, and then once they fill out the contact form, um, I kick back with an email that explains like the scope of their project with an estimate. Once the estimate's accepted, that's when I transition them over to Basecamp. So then everything from there, I have a template in Basecamp that I just duplicate and then I plug in all their details and then we're off to the races. Wow. That seems like a, like I've seen people use like Asana and everything, but I know, I don't think like the clients can see that. It's not like a yeah two way. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I've used Asana as well. I've also used Trello. I've been on a bunch of different programs. Basecamp for me, I always liked best because the images display really large. Okay. The other platforms, sometimes you like tab over all the way to like all the discussion threads to see yeah. what the images are, which doesn't really help, I think. Also with Basecamp, um, I like that you can toggle on and off which discussions your client can see. Okay. So I can set the parameters of like whether the client can see the to-dos or if they can see the full calendar or do I just want them to focus on like this week's calendar so that's really nice as well because then they can either like my clients that are really cool and like very tech savvy I just let them see everything but my clients that need a little bit more hand-holding I try to keep them really on task by only letting them see the portions of the work that I need their feedback on Mm -hmm. and if you don't mind me asking like where did you learn that like how to set up or like what phone calls to set up in that sense or what to talk about or I guess the communication with clients, was that just something you learned as you went on? Trial and error, trial and error. And also because my family is super entrepreneurial, my mom's an interior designer, my sister's a wedding planner. So it's, it's pretty actually consistent from all of us, um, from all of our different industries. 
is of course there's going to be a lot of work on the front end in that discovery call. So you can, you can budget about 30 minutes to an hour of really just not even designing, but just talking it out and making yeah. sure you have a really good understanding of what they're looking for, that the, the brief is filled out or that you're getting all that, all those context clues that are setting the foundation for really great design. Um, and then I like to present my concepts via video, but not video call. So I will do a screen record with Loom, which is another program, L-O-O-M. And Loom allows you to screen record and it also gives you like a little talk bubble where like your little face oh, okay. Which is nice because then I can kind of walk them through. And that's really what you see on my TikTok or those are the, the logo design presentations. Mm-hmm. So that's about like halfway through the process where I say, okay, based on all the information you gave me, here's what I think is the best direction for your brand. Let me walk you through the logo, how I designed the logo, how this reflects your branding, yada, yada, yada. I share those Loom videos in my Facebook group on like a pretty regular basis. So if you really want to do a deep dive, they're about like 10, 15 minutes long yeah. usually. No, I'm um, definitely going to join your Facebook group. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of a nice way to, to send it, but I like sending it to my clients that way because then they can watch it back and review it. Or if they mm-hmm. want to show their business partner or their spouse or whatever, like, or I tell them specifically, like watch the video wait 24 hours, come back, watch it again, make sure you take all your notes so that when we review it on our video call, we don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? Like, we don't, I don't need to pitch it to you again. But yeah. I sometimes I found like when I was live presenting the concepts, my energy fed off a lot on what the client's energy was. So if they were really unsure, it made me kind of like backpedal and I didn't have a strong of a, of a pitch, of a, of a sales pitch really. Um, so when I... I but, when it's within my own control, I can control my energy. I can control the way I communicate. I can, I can give them the verbiage to describe what they're looking at and relate that exactly to what they were looking for. So I'll even in my pitch video, pull up their brand questionnaire and use the words that they gave me to describe what the heck they're seeing on the screen, Yeah, which helps. It's, there's a lot of psychology going on as well, which I love, but it's, yeah, it's so much more than just graphic design. I've had internships where like I would use like Asana and I would be in there and I would just be like okay here are some images make a graphic out of it and I was like okay like I'll do it and then if I did anything that was slightly wavering from those idea they wouldn't they're like no change it like do it again and I was like okay if this is what like my entry level position's going to be, I know I can create so much more. And that's nothing against corporate jobs. Like nothing against it. I just think that mm-hmm. I like I think that I have that entrepreneurial idea in my head. Well, and it's the difference between being like a technician and a true creative. Mm-hmm. Is yes, I have the technical skills to execute this logo, but you're not really paying me for moving pixels around and moving around raster images. Like you're paying me for the fact that my brain can think about it and then execute it. You're paying for the creative idea that's going to reflect your brand values and connect your ideal client avatar um, in a way that's going to communicate what the heck you're trying to say. Yeah. Um, so it's it's tricky because it's there are a lot of positions that although they they sound creative are just actually purely technical. Um, which those are the first jobs to be replaced by robots. So (laughs) (laughs) if you're looking for job security, creativity, head that direction, go to the left brain. um, Because that's the stuff that's going to be long lasting. No, honestly, I've been looking at like LinkedIn. I've been getting like alerts, like graphic design internship. And it's all the same wording. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, this is not like, they're just telling you what you want to hear. I feel. So I'm, I think I'm kind of happy that I figured that out early on. Mm-hmm. So I could start now as someone who just turned 21 in January. And I'm like, okay, well, I have this idea. And I know it may sound crazy, but at least I can try. Like corporate's going to be there, you know? Of course. Of course. So, yep. Again, such an inspiration. I'm like, this is literally what. I want to be doing so cool yeah sweet well I'm an open book anytime you have questions I'm very reachable um the Facebook group is really the best the best thing that I've got going on um sharing resources in there on the daily yeah because like right now I feel like I don't know enough or I don't know my way around the programs to actually like charge for it like 
I don't know all the tools in Illustrator. And it's like, do you have any? I don't know all the tools in Illustrator. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I, don't, I still don't know how to do shading properly and like textures. Yeah. So I, there's no way there's, there's no way to possibly learn. That's like walking into an executive kitchen and saying, I don't know how to use every appliance. It's like, well, yeah, of course you don't know how to use every appliance. You've never made anything sous vide before. Like, why would you know how to use the sous vide machine? Like it's the same thing, right? So it doesn't mean that you're not good. It doesn't mean that you're not creative. It just means that you just haven't had to use those tools yet. Um, but there's mm-hmm. plenty of tools in Illustrator I've never touched, never touched. Okay. Well, that makes me feel a little better. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to end off this chat with some deeper questions. I guess more of the psychological, like you were saying, is that a lot of people don't freelance because they're like corporate's the only option. And where I got the name of this podcast was like daring to do the design, daring to freelance. And did you, I guess you probably had a lot of support since your whole family were entrepreneurs and it was kind of just something you grew up with. So would you have any advice on that? Because for me, it's always been like, my mom was the first in her family to go to college. Then she graduated. Then she did corporate, corporate family, stayed home. And then she went back to a full-time job like 10 years later. So it's just such a different mindset that I'm trying to like flip into and like switch on. So if you have any advice. Yeah, I I definitely had probably a kick in the pants for my parents that said, just like try your own thing first. Um, Because like you said, corporate's going to be there. And if you don't like it, go get a job. And that was kind of the, oh, okay. So go get a job is plan B right? Um, not plan A. So that, that was something that I kind of had in my corner. Um, I, when I was a senior, really thought I wanted to be a museum curator and put on events for contemporary art museums and, um, have parties and wear fancy clothes and be with like well-to-dos. And I got an internship at a museum and realized it's just an office job with like a very occasional party and a very dysfunctional unorganized office job where you don't get to just take a nap whenever you want and you (laughs) don't get to be in charge of your day and you have to sit in on meetings that are too long and I didn't jive with that lifestyle whatsoever like I wanted to be way more independent than that so for me I work to support my lifestyle I don't have a lifestyle because of my work um really the best part of doing what I do is being my own boss um And I think that that's the skill set that all of us have to learn sooner rather than later, especially with this pandemic is like having the discipline Mm -hmm. to get your work done in your freedom. Right. So there's, I'm a big fan of the Peloton and one of my favorite trainers always says like, find the discipline in your freedom. Like this is your, you're going to get this ride. Here's the next, for the next three minutes, do whatever you want. This is your chance to like have discipline and work towards your goal. Like don't, this is not a break. This is not a rest. This is not sleep time. Like, but if you need that, take it. But this is also your chance to like go for it and do do sprints, do a hill ride, do whatever it is that you think is going to make you better. And so finding your discipline in work from home or in work abroad or in, you know, a, a non-traditional work life not outside of the nine to five capacity, that's really the skill that people need to, I think, fine tune and to sharpen. Um, luckily, I've been doing it for since I graduated. So I'm pretty much, I've got it done pat um, at this point, but it's, it's interesting because I think a lot of people are struggling with that right now. Um, even like students who have to take now online classes and they, they yeah. don't go to a classroom anymore. It's like, how do you make sure that you have the discipline to get done what you need to get done or don't? And like, what are the consequences yeah. of that, right? Yeah. A lot of my friends were like, not, they're like poking fun. Cause like I'm a Capricorn and I'm not sure if you're into like the astrology but Capricorns are known to be type A organized rational before emotion so one once the pandemic hit and then I was like okay I have my time to sort it through emotionally I wasn't working I didn't have my internship and I was like well everyone's home so why don't I just like connect with people and I'm like you know what I'll start a podcast and I've said this before it's like I figured out the name I posted a graphic two hours later and I was like, I need to go buy a mic now because people know about it now. And I did that to hold myself accountable. And like, I've, I'm already kind of feeling like the burnt out aspect of it, but I know that's just me adjusting and learning to, you know, keep myself accountable because obviously now I don't have any income coming from it. It's just something I want to do. 
So that's but awesome. there's no reason you couldn't is the thing that's that's what's so awesome about what you're doing is because you do have the discipline to do it and to collect the interviews and to collect the information like and have a system in place there's no reason you can you couldn't monetize it and I think maybe that's the mindset shift as well is like okay I'm pulling together all these resources maybe you're asking each of your podcast guests to contribute a list of the top five things that they wish they knew before they started and then you're compiling that into an ebook and then you're selling this ebook like, or you're becoming an affiliate and doing affiliate marketing for different programs. Like there's lots, there's so much potential. Um, but if you're the person that can get the framework in place and get the steps in place so that it's that part's running on autopilot, then you kind of have room on either side to experiment. But if you keep that constant, constant, there's no reason that you couldn't turn it into a money thing if you wanted to. Um, yeah. It's a lot easier to do, to make money off something that's already has content, has a mission, has a drive, has goals than to just show up at the gate and make money. I had a friend call me that said, called me for a consulting thing and said, it was a friend I met traveling and he goes, hey, Michelle, I really want to monetize a YouTube account. And I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I really just want to start a YouTube account and monetize it. I was like, well, what is your YouTube account about? Like, why are you making a YouTube account? And also, how are you going to get viewers and why would they listen to yeah, you? How are you going to get like the thousand like, subscribers and the yeah. 4,000 watch hours? Yeah, I was like, I don't understand, like, what the goal is, and he's like, he didn't, I think it was also a misunderstanding of his, he's like, oh, it's just easy, I can just upload uh, upload videos to YouTube, and then I'll get views, I was like, no, 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 so (laughs) you're doing it the right way, you're doing content first, and then monetization strategy second, which I think is always the safer bet, um, than the other way around, so. Yeah, I was talking to my mom, and she was like, you know what, like, you have the, I guess, opportunity and safety of you can live at home post-grad and you don't have to be paying for rent so she's like if you want Mm -hmm. you can take six months Mm -hmm. and continue to build it like you're starting it now and for me that was like oh like she actually like I didn't know she would support me that much just because Mm -hmm. it's such a opposite from what she did so Mm -hmm. when I heard that I was like oh I'm gonna go buy a mic right now my plan is to start now so that at this time next year, I will be graduated and hopefully I can have that, I guess, content, like you said, to then start trying to monetize. But it's like, now it's kind of or like- Or that it's a connection that you make through your podcast that becomes a job opportunity. Like you never really yeah. know where it's going to go. And and I had a very similar thing. I started like an Instagram and Facebook live show because I just didn't technically want to run a podcast. Um, I started an Instagram Facebook live show just because I wanted to interview people that were doing cool things. And I just had no yeah. reason to really. And so I, I made I made a show and I was like, I'm just going to do this mm-hmm. and and we'll see what happens of it. But now, of course, now that's evolving into a podcast after all. So now we're yeah. taking those interviews and then turning them into a podcast anyway. But it's been a great vehicle for me to connect with people that are doing things outside of my, just myself and my clients um, mm-hmm. and kind of like be reaching to that next level and going after people that have larger influence or bigger accounts or whatever, like, or who are just more successful and like asking their opinions on stuff. Um, it's a great cross promotional opportunity. It's a great conversation starter. And then it's a relationship builder with that person. Cause you don't know where they're going to be in, in five or 10 years. Um, so it's nice to start it early. Yeah. That's, right track. Thank you. Um, so I guess that's, that'll lead well into the question I have is about if you could tell yourself a piece of advice from like yourself three years ago, what would it be? I'm trying to think exactly where I was three years ago. Three years ago, I was in Costa Rica. Yeah, I just left for my first like digital nomad trip. I traveled with a with an online entrepreneur group called Wi-Fi Tribe. And I think I would have told myself um, that what I've got going is like unique, I think. Because I think when I started, I was the youngest one on the trip by about four years. And I think I was one of the only people that had their own business. Um, so even though people were working remotely, they were working for other companies or whatever. And I think I I constantly felt like I needed to like prove myself to these people because they were older than me and like maybe more accomplished or making more money than me. And so I, I was like feeling like I had to keep up. And I think now looking back at that, I have like really come so far since then, but knowing that that, that what I've got I've got, I think, a particular skill when it comes to social and community building that not everybody has. I don't think I appreciated that three years ago. 
you recognizing your self growth and it obviously has paid off, you know? So it's I guess still a lot of work. <laughs> There's still a little far away that I want to go, but it is kind of crazy to think back. Um, and then, and then see how different things are and how different the world is like, holy crap. So, That's an understatement. So yeah. I guess final question, basically kind of like a question for myself is that I'm post-grad is approaching faster and faster. So if you have any advice for, I guess, someone who wants to go into directly freelancing. Of, yeah. Know. Um, Work on building your network. Build, 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 build. Build connections with people. Build through social. Build relationships. Um, like we said, to circle it back to the beginning, like really listen to what people need. And then be somebody who is present with those relationships. So Mm -hmm. going out of your way to checking in on past clients or checking in on people that have services that could be good referral partners for what you've got going on. Um, Constantly brainstorming, constantly shooting back ideas or inspiration and messages. Like that's one of the things I think that sustained me really for a long time is, is even people that I've, I'm such good friends with people I've never met in real life just because I met them through social media. And because we just like get each other, like we speak the same language, it's great. Um, and that's really sustaining, especially when you're freelancing, because you don't have that coworker atmosphere, you don't have that colleague feeling, um, and it can be super, super isolating to be always working on your own stuff or always be it's like you versus the client. So it's hard to have that that uh, community feeling. So the more that you can create that, whether that's through Facebook group or Instagram or whatever. Um, Slack, through Zoom meetings, through networking events, like creating that constant group of people that you guys can all check in on one another that are not just friends. I think friends, because you'll notice too, the more that you start to focus on your business, like your friendships start to change as well. That's also like a post-grad problem is that the reason that you were friends with those people in the first place, those reasons kind of start to go away. And then you're like, wait a second, we don't have anything in common. (laughs) And then your friendships really change. But I think for the better too. And then you can start, you can make room for, for new friendships for different reasons. So um, keeping the relationships in the network really, really high on your priority list is can only help when you're freelancing. All right. Thank you. That is a great way to end off this episode. Oh. I really enjoyed chatting with you. I feel like yeah, I- Yeah, thanks for having so me. Yeah. So if you want to plug- yourself now go for it yeah yeah so you can find me on every social media platform at mkwcreative.co um that's also my website which is really the hub for everything that i've got going on um between like design live my blog my shop uh services everything is through my website as well um i have a facebook group called kiss my aesthetic that's definitely going to be the most most complex and condensed and actionable resource for anybody that's looking to get into freelancing mm-hmm. um it's also where I share like most of my behind the scenes stuff of my client work my process all that so that's that's my favorite corner of the internet truly so um come on over the Facebook group and then that's pretty much it for me be on the lookout for my podcast which will be coming out um definitely by the end of July probably hopefully sooner but that's the goal all right nice well Sweet. thank you so much for coming on chatting I had a great time. Cool. Me too. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to follow the Dare to Design Instagram account for more content. It's at daretodesign.podcast. The link will also be in the description of this episode. All right. Again, thank you so much for listening to today's episode and I'll talk to you later.